the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Peter 4.12. Peter says, Dear friends, don't be surprised. You can say don't be alarmed. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Most of you say, well, I know it ain't strange because it keeps on happening. How many of you have fiery trials and you say, I got past that, I'm good now, but another one comes. Don't be surprised because it's not strange. It happens to us all, right? You can be going along having a beautiful day like yesterday. I remember several years ago, on a July 4th, I, me and my mom had went in together and bought this little bitty old camper thing. <laughs> and I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, we went in together on it. And uh, she wasn't there this, this particular weekend, but me and Angie were staying down at Arkham Butler, and we had the best place, right on the water, you know, on the little cliff thing, right on the edge. It was just a beautiful. And it was a July 4th day, and I had my boat out, and I fished early in the morning, and we played horseshoes all day and ran with the kids, rode bicycles. And then that afternoon, we had a big party. Everybody came over, all the family, and we grilled out, ate good food. It was one of those days that was so good that by the time it got dark and everybody left, I didn't even have the energy left to clean up around the place. I just went and crawled up in the camper and, and uh, went to sleep. You'd think, man, that's the way a day is supposed to be. But somewhere about 1 o'clock at night, all of a sudden I'm awoke and the camper's doing this, number, and I thought it was an earthquake, and I didn't know what was going on, and I looked out the window, and it was, you could see flashes of lightning, and, I, and through the flashes of lightning, I could see that little tent awning thing that we had put up, just going, and it was about to blow away. So I jumped up in my skivvies. And, you know, and I ran outside and went over there. And Angie got up and, and what's going on? And, and we ran out there. And we, I don't know what we were thinking. We were trying to hold that thing down. It, it was about to take us away. You know, the wind was trying to get up underneath it. We were holding it for all we were worth. And I said, take it off, take it off. And we were trying to take the cover off the top of it. And about that time, I heard a noise. And I looked back at that brand new, it wasn't a brand new one, but brand new for us, the little old camper. Looked back. And that awning said, and went up in the sky. How many saw that movie Castaway where his little thing got caught in the storm and went up in the sky? It looked just like it. It didn't even come down. I was like, where did where that, that thing took off? It was gone. <laughs> and that's, that's the way it is. Things can be going good one moment, having a great time, and the next thing, the storms of life come across that water. It can be a beautiful view one minute, and it can be terrifying the next. Can I get an amen? amen. If you've been there, say amen. amen. Well, last week we started a new series. I didn't even have a title for it yet. Didn't even know it was a series last week. But we're going to call it Still Standing. Because if you remember, last week's message was entitled Standing Firm in the Faith. So this week, we're going to talk about Standing Strong in the Storms. And that's today's message, standing strong in the storms. There's three kinds of storms that I see in this life. There's the common storms that we all face that's going on in everybody's life. Some of, them, some of us may say, oh, the bills. <laughs> yeah, like Daniel said, the bills are coming due and all these things and situations at your job and, and all those common storms that we face. And then there's the storms that we bring on ourselves through our own sin because the wages of sin is and there's a payday coming so but we're not going to talk about those today we're just going to assume see those you don't have to have those storms you don't have to have them so i'm just going to assume everybody's good on that front we're not going to talk about the storms that we bring on ourselves we're just going to assume that that's not your issue today but we're going to mostly talk about this third category of storms and that's the storms that we that come 
to try to stop the plan of God in our life. Mostly from the enemy. We all have, well, hopefully we all have those. If, if you don't have any storms that's trying to stop you from doing the, the work of God, it might be because you ain't doing the work of God. <laughs> but I know Jesus' own disciples, every time, did you notice in the Bible, every time that they set sail, there seemed to be a storm. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they couldn't get on the water without a storm. The one time I remember Jesus, he was so cool, he was asleep in the boat. He's getting him a nap, and the boat's doing all this number here, water's coming in, and they're panicking. And they're like, Jesus, don't you even care? We're about to perish. The water's coming in. It's a storm. And Jesus got up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it stopped. And he looked at him. he said, where's your faith? There was another time that he told them to go on a cross, and they were going across. And Jesus stayed up on the mountain to pray. About 3 o'clock in the morning, they got caught in another storm on that sea. And it said Jesus came walking to them on the water. And he made as if he was just going to walk on by. They thought he was a ghost. They said, oh, he's a ghost. And somebody said, Peter said, that's Jesus, you know. And, and he was going to walk on by, but they, caught, they waved him down. It was funny that Jesus was going to walk on by. He was just going to walk on across and let them see how they could do without him in the boat. But they had enough sense to say, Jesus, come on over here. And it says, as soon as he got in the boat, the wind stopped, and they were at their destination. So moral number one of this story, you need Jesus in your boat. You're going to have storms. If Jesus' own disciples had that many storms, should we expect anything different? Y'all saying, Pastor, I didn't come here to hear bad news. This ain't news to you. You already know it. This life is filled with tribulation. Jesus said in the world you shall have tribulation. He's just trying to teach us how to have good cheer and understand that he has overcome the world. Jesus shows us how to overcome storms. I begin to jot down some things that I remember that Jesus went through. You know, even getting him someplace to be born was a storm. His mom and dad, stepdad, you know, finding him a place. And soon after he was born, King Herod's trying to kill all the babies. They're after his life. You know, that's what the devil's after. He's after your life. Not so much the physical life. He's after the life that is in you. He wants to quench the light that is in you. Well, anyway, Herod comes after Jesus, you know, trying to kill all the babies, and they have to flee to Egypt. Then after that, as, he's, as he starts his ministry and he's baptized, the first thing after he has, a, you know, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, and Jesus is revealed. The devil was listening. <laughs> he went after him in the wilderness. Came immediately to steal the word, didn't he? The religious people, after he started his ministry, were continuously hounding him. You can't heal on the Sabbath. How many people have some religious people talking in your ear all the time? Got a form of godliness, but don't know anything about the power of relationship. I'm preaching real good today. Can I get an amen in the house? Man, am I going to have to, to spur you all through praise and worship and the message too? I'm usually not having to beg. Y'all guys, I'm usually having to quieten you down. Hey, could you... <laughs> Uh, I wrote down that he ministered past the point of exhaustion many days. It wasn't that he didn't know when to quit. It was just his compassion was so large. He didn't want to quit. He loved people. He loved what he was doing. But he was, he was often tired. And then you know his disciples had to be getting on his last nerve because they wasn't but a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> he had to teach them as they went along. So that would, could feel like a storm. How many of you got kids or teenagers? You know, we got like a storm on the front row here, waiting to happen. No. They tried to throw him off a cliff in his own hometown. Sometimes your own people will hurt your feelings, won't they? They don't understand it. They don't understand why you're serving God. Why are you doing the things you're doing? Why don't you just hang out with us? Why don't you run to the old sins that we've always ran to? The government beheaded his best friend. 
Man, if you've ever dealt with the government, <laughs> wicked and unreasonable people always trying to undermine everything he did. It's, he would take a step and they would, you know, block his way every time he's trying to get something accomplished. The IRS was on him for tax evasion. And he had to send Peter fishing. He didn't worry about that. You see, begin to see a pattern of how Jesus handles these things? He ain't worried about it. He ain't worried about it. If the IRS calls some of us, we what? what? What lawyer do I call? Who do I get? What group do I get a hold of? You know? We're scared of the IRS. Jesus said, render to Caesar what's Caesar. I ain't worried about it. Go catch a fish. He trusted the Father. He was facing demons everywhere he turned. Some of us are scared of supernatural things. Jesus just said, come out of him. Jesus didn't play with demons. He wasn't scared of demons. He was facing contagious diseases everywhere he went. Some of us, we won't even go to the hospital. I don't like that. It's unclean. <laughs> I don't like the smell, you know. It says he, he said one place he had no place to lay his head. Some of us, we think, man, if I don't pay those bills, we're worried about our stuff, how our comfort, you know, what if we lose this or what if we lose that? What if you do? It's just stuff. They can't eat you. You'll be all right. You can make it. If you're going through a storm where you've lost your stuff, I'm, I'm, don't, make, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not making light of anybody's storm. But I'm just, I'm just trying to paint you a bigger picture, a joyous picture, a, a victorious picture. He had no place to lay his head and had the constant press of the crowds. He wasn't like those big-time preachers that could come flying up in a Learjet, you know, and preach their message and then go backstage. He didn't even have a donkey to ride on. He had to borrow one of those at one point. He was walking, and the crowd's pressing in, and they're seeing miracles. And, you can, and there was thousands. You read the book of Mark, you just see it. Mark paints a picture of what was really going on. It was, it was a lot of people pulling on him at all times. And that can, to, to, some of us don't like busyness, don't like crowds. And that can seem like a storm. At one point, they picked up stones to stone him. He wasn't popular because he spoke the truth. Some of us, we're hesitant about speaking the truth because we want to be popular. But not Jesus. Everywhere he turned, there was danger. At one point, he was wanting to go to Jerusalem, and they said, you can't go to Jerusalem, Jesus. Don't you know Herod's, a, he's out to kill you? What was Jesus' response? He said in Luke 13, 32, he said, you go tell that fox, I will be casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. He said, ain't nothing going to stop me from doing what's right. He, he's a man that understood time management. That you only get one life and every second counts. Don't be wasting time. He didn't cower in the storms. He kept moving forward. And he taught us that if you'll keep your focus on other people, then often your problems will, will take care of themselves and you won't get bogged down and you won't implode. He always kept the focus. Even when John the Baptist got his head cut off, his cousin and his best friend, he wanted to go mourn, but he saw the people and he had compassion. And, he, and through his giving out during his time of sorrow, it brought him the kind of comfort that he really needed. So many times when you're in a storm, don't withdraw to yourself. Get out. And do something for somebody else and see how your situation changes. Well, he, eventually Jesus was betrayed by one of his own. He sweat great drops of blood in the garden, thinking about, in agony, thinking about what was coming because he knew in detail what was about to happen to him. His closest friends deserted him. The crowds chose to release a murderer instead of him. Think of how that would hurt your feet. That would just shut a lot of us down. I've done all this for those people. <laughs> I have done so much. And now they want to turn around and release a murderer instead of me. 
But he didn't look at things like that. He was unfairly condemned to die, talking about the court systems. <laughs> he was beaten within, within inches of his life with a cat of nine tails. By his stripes, we are healed. He didn't have to. He could have called down 12 legions of angels. He could have escaped all of this. But he was a man on a, on a purpose, on a destiny. He came to make all things new. And he came to be an example to you. Nails driven through his hands and his feet. Lifted up, mocked, spit upon, given vinegar to drink with his broken and dry lips. Treated shamefully. Why? Because he was the king of the Jews. He wanted to be our king. They, they gawked at him like he was some kind of sideshow in a, in a circus or something. It was, it was shameful. They put him in a tomb, but guess what? He got up. He got up. So if he can go to the lowest parts of the earth and be highly exalted and given a name above every other name, whatever you're going through and you're knocked down, you can get up. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body. You can get back up from whatever's knocked you down. Let me ask you a question. Were the storms that Jesus endured because of his sin or because of his righteousness? Were the storms that he endured because he had sinned? He didn't have any sin. That's right. So it must have been because he was doing right. So next time some knucklehead comes up and says, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people, you know what to tell them. If the storms came to Jesus, they came to his disciples. Should we expect any different? Let's turn back. Are you still at 1 Peter? Did you keep your finger there? Let's read the whole thing. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. What? I don't know too many people that's glad when fiery trials are going through. But it says instead, if get a mindset, get a paradigm shift. Begin to look at life differently. Begin to see your situations differently. Instead, be very glad for those trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world you suffer with him you shall live with him you shall share his glory god keeps a good record of the things that you're going through and how you endure you're never alone you're never if you did something at the park yesterday god knows it just because i didn't recognize it here today you're never alone I've been a Christian for about 20 years now. And I'm sad to say that I'm just now starting to learn this principle. The principle is not to panic every time a storm comes. You know, we have years of condemnation built into us from certain religions or where teachings that we've heard. And we think, you know, every time something bad happens, I must be doing something wrong. So it's my fault. Every time a storm, that's the devil, that's condemnation coming to you. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You've been set free by the spirit of life. Just like Jesus. Bad things are probably happening to you because you're doing good, not because you're doing wrong. If you can say you're doing good. And the storms of life just happen to everybody. 
I'm learning not to panic. Angie was saying, you're doing so good with this leg thing. Because in the past, I'd be fussing all the time. I got stuff to do. I cannot be held back. You know, I got, you know I'm a doer. And no, many of you have noticed that I hadn't been doing much lately. And I'm trying to smile like it don't bother me, but it's hard for me. It's hard for me to see Tony carrying such a burden. I want to help. But you know what? It's just God teaching me something. We need to learn from our storms. We don't need to panic in the storms. We need to just say, hey, what can I, what, this is going to make me stronger on the backside. A storm is not a sign that you're losing. It may be a sign that you're winning. And the devil doesn't typically attack you because you're Christian. He attacks you because you're an effective Christian. You know, just one of them card-holding members, I'm going to heaven, I got my ticket. And I'm going to church on Easter whether they remember me or not. You know, the, the devil probably ain't going to be attacking them much. But, but those who are doing the work of the ministry, being that lighthouse in their job, living for Jesus, Monday through Sunday, you know, every day of the week. There's a war in the heavenlies going on that a whole lot of Christians don't even understand. I mean, it's a war for the soul of mankind. It is an epic battle in the cosmos. I mean, there is importance in every second that we have down here. We only have an 80, 90-year window and it's determining all of eternity for us and others. And so I know it seems like a marathon, but in reality, if we could see things through God's eyes, there's a war going on and we need to know it. Can you imagine if you were over in Afghanistan and you had a gun and a tank and all these things and you were just be bopping through town, making friends, going to weddings and all these things. You're wearing a United States Army uniform. You had no idea the Taliban was going to try to get you. How long do you think you would last? If you're going to wear this uniform, you need to understand, you're at war. <laughs> Elijah woke up one morning and there was a whole army surrounding this little house he was in, about to come to kill him. His servant said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, Elijah said, oh, I ain't even had my coffee. Can you calm down a minute? You know, I'm just paraphrasing. He said, God, would you please open his eyes and let him see the truth? And the servant went back and looked, and beyond those soldiers that were out to get him was the hills were filled with chariots of fire, the armies of the living God. God has got this. But if you don't know there's a war going on, you're going to wake up surprised one day. If you knew what a war was going on, you'd be spending all your time in Ephesians chapter 6, putting on that armor of God. There's one scripture that I can always quote, just come right to me. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. There's, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians 6.10. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. See, our battle is really a spiritual one. It manifests itself over in the natural realm. It manifested in, in our washing machine breaking down when we ain't got no money to repair it. Or your radiator going out or whatever. But it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle for how you're going to respond and who you're going to trust in in the midst of your storm. Are you going to cave and say, oh, it always happens to me and panic like I said I've been doing for years. Y'all need to pray for your church leaders. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, it's a war. It's a war when you're trying to do things for the Lord. Just this year in our Passion DeSoto campus right here, just this year in our top leadership, I have maxed out the amount of money that I have to spend on insurance. I've been in the hospital for a blood clot going in my lungs. I was right here in this sanctuary this close to death this year with a blood clot passing through my lungs. 
There's been other things. There's been this leg. These are attacks, you see. Anita, over all our children, broke her back this year. Attacks, storms come to us all. Brother Tom back there over several departments. He had a lobotomy. I am just kidding about that. Brother Tom won't tell us what happens to him. He's so quiet, but we know he has struggles too. He is human, despite many of our understanding. I saw him limping one time this year. I know he has struggles. Miss Mary, who's over several departments, she has Jeeps. I know that sounds like some kind of sexually transmitted disease, but no, I mean real Jeeps, the kind you drive. They got three of them in the family. Four. They're growing. Because of that, I know we must have the devil on the run by now. Somebody said she had moderate to severe Jeep psoriasis or something. <laughs> But we all need to learn to persevere like her husband, Bill McCall. When the Jeeps go down, he just drag, he gets them towed right to the station again. He's got, one, he got, he's got repair shops all over town that know him by name. <laughs> but he just keeps a jeeping. He's not too cheap to jeep. They just keep coming to me. I don't Don's not here to help you out today. He's a Jeep man too. But the world says take one step forward and it's going to be two steps back. But we don't think like the world. Jesus says just keep getting back up. Keep moving forward. When the winds are too strong, just stand firm in the faith. Even though you feel like you've been knocked down, you are still a champion. You are still standing. And if you feel, feel like you're being pulled backwards, it's only because you're an arrow. And Jesus is about to thrust you into your destiny. The only time we move back is because we're fixing to come head forward more now than ever before. Begin to see the storms as something that's going to propel you to greatness. Isaiah 57 says, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like Flynn. And I know I will not be put to shame. Sometimes that's all you can do. If I say something, it's going to be wrong. I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to endure until I can get, get my wits about me, get my eyes back on Jesus. I'm setting my face. One way or another, I will not succumb to the pressure. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Don't faint. You already have everything inside you that you need for victory. Well, somebody said, well, I don't have the money to get this fixed. Okay, well, maybe you can live without that for a minute, but you still got the victory. You still got the victory. Do you have peace? That's the victory. Do you know in whom you believe? That's the victory. Can you still shout for joy? That's the victory that overcomes even our faith. See, it's a spiritual battle. Stuff comes and goes. You're not taking any of it with you when you go. But winning is done in the heart of man. And everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been put in there. When you ask Jesus, to be the Lord of your life. Calluses make you more capable. You get calluses through hard work, tough times. I look at Brother Richard, who lays tile for a living, and wooden floors, and he's on his knees. If you've ever seen his knees, it's like, good night. Have you got knee pads on, or is that your kneecaps? His hands, calloused. But he can do work. Days on end, when we wouldn't make it 
20 seconds. Oh, I'm bleeding. Calluses make you more capable. Weightlifters know that resistance makes you stronger. It's because that weight don't want to come up. It's what's building your muscle. The more reps you do, the more perseverance, the more stamina that you have, and the more devils you can shove off of you. Almost. Apostle Paul talks about strength and stamina that he had to to show in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, I was imprisoned more than all of them. I was whipped more than all of them. Five times I suffered 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails on my back. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. I think I studied that out one time. I think that's where they hit you in your feet with heavy rods to break the bones in your feet. And you're talking about a man who has to travel on his feet to get to his next church. He was stoned. The man was stoned. And they thought he was dead. And they went out and got him up and he was preaching the next day. He was shipwrecked three times. Storms. You read the end of the book of Acts, you see he was in a storm. And then it says he had the daily care of the churches on him. That might be the biggest storm of them all, to have to put up with the churches, the way they act sometimes. You might feel like this is your story. You might say, well, that feels like my experience. That feels like, what I, that feels like my last Wednesday. You know, that's what I'm going through. Real, in reality, you hadn't been whipped with a cat of nine tails or nothing like that. But it may feel like I just can't go on. I am being battered. I'm being beaten. But yet, all you've been through this week and all you've been through your whole life, yet you're here today. You're still sitting right there today in that purple chair. You are enduring. You are still coming to church. There may have been a time where you got knocked down and stayed down for 20 years, but you got back up. And you are here today. You're like an energizer bunny. You're still going. So congratulate yourself on that. Think to yourself, I did it. I'm here today. Next week when the devil wants me to sleep late, I'm going to get up and I'm going to be there again. Because that's how winning's done. C.S. Lewis says hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. See, those hardships are working for you. They're building calluses. They're building muscle. So that you don't have to live an ordinary life, you can live an extraordinary life. What did Apostle Paul say before he died? He said all those things, and, and people say, well, see, I told you, that's why I'm not serving God. I'm not going through all that. Is that the way Apostle Paul felt before he died? Was he worn out and raggedy? It says in 2 Timothy 4, 5, he said, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Don't even be afraid. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. He's saying it was so worth it. He said, I count everything that I had before I knew Jesus as dung for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been a crazy ride, but it has been one. I have lived on the edge. I have learned to be abased and I have learned to abound. To be blessed and to feel like I'm the last one in the parade. But I'm still standing and it's been a ride worth living. And I look at, with pity at those who cower in fear their whole life and never step out and do anything of eternal significance. I pity the fool. (laughs) To live your whole life, just woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. How about we say go is me? Do is me. 
We're warriors. 1 John 5, 4 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. It's who we believe in. It's what, what makes us tick on the inside. It's our attitude. It's who we're trusting in. We don't walk by sight and the things that are they're coming against us. We walk through the, with victory knowing in, where we, in whom we believed and where we're going. And what the Word says, that in the end we win. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We're not judging on who dies with the most toys. We're judging on who dies with the most souls. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds are the things that the devil puts in your life that are holding you back. You have things that you were taught, ways that you feel because you were done such a way, you were treated in such a way, and you, now when somebody says something to you, I can say something to you as clear as crystal, and you hear it in a, your own version. And you'll repeat back to me what you heard, and I'll say, I didn't say that at all. Yes, you did. You said this. You have a stronghold built up in your mind. The devil has put there. But if you will begin to trust in the word of God and what God says about you and stop believing every, just not walking by sight and by your experiences, but through faith in the word of God, you will begin to see everything differently. And you will begin to hear and you will be set free from strongholds. You'll demolish every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought. To the obedience of Christ. Everything that you think will change. Your situations will change, won't change, but your, the way you view them will. We fight the good fight of faith. The battle, the war has already been won. Once you know that, man, it makes everything else a little easier. But then you understand that your battle is to, to stand strong, to endure, to believe. And to enforce the victory that's already been given us. God's getting you into position to rule and reign. What about Joseph? We talked about his story not too long ago. Joseph, young man, his own brothers threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Then he got lied on and thrown into the dungeon. Oh, woe is me, Joseph could have said. But Joseph was a man of unusual character. And he trusted God through it all. And the next thing you know, he's brought out of the dungeon and put second in charge of all of the, the Egypt. The Egypt. All of the world, I wanted to say. All of Egypt. Pretty amazing story. And then when there's a famine in the land, those same brothers that threw him in the pit and sold him into slavery, have to come to him and bow down, just like his original dream he held on to, holding on to your dreams. They bowed down before him, and he said this in Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many. Nobody else could see it. Nobody understood the... The sovereignty of God, the plan of God. Nobody could register what was going on when he was in that pit or in that dungeon. But God's hand was in it. He was using that situation to bring him to a place where he could save the world. In a time of famine, to save his family, to save all of Israel, so to speak. If you suffer for Christ... Not just for your sin, but if you're suffering for, for doing right, you can know that there's purpose in it. For all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's working together. It's teaching you something. It's preparing you something. Everything that we view as a setback is just God getting ready to launch you. Mm. Storms cause us to grow stronger. If Jesus is in the boat and you're whining, he's probably saying, where's your faith? Where is your faith? He's probably telling us Romans 8, 37, in all things, I've made you more than conquerors. More than you need to be. He expects us to rise up like warriors. 
You might say, I, I don't feel like a warrior. I mean, it's not my character. I'm not really, you know. But is there not a cause? U.S. Army Lieutenant General Jerry Borkin said, every great man that God used in the Bible was first and foremost a warrior. So what is a warrior? Here's what a warrior is. It's not the guy who is armed with an AR-15 and a 30-round magazine. The warrior is someone who says, this is what I love. This is what I hold dear. This is my family. This is my country. This is my faith, and this is what threatens it. This is the enemy. You will not hurt what I hold dear, and you will not hurt what I love without coming through me. A warrior, he's saying, is simply someone who stands up for righteousness. Anybody can do that. You can stand up and protect the things that are dear to you. Gideon didn't feel like a warrior. He was hiding away from the enemy. And then that angel came in Judges 6.12 and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon said, You got the wrong guy. I'm just a little pipsqueak. I'm the smallest in my whole family. And my family is the smallest in our whole tribe. And our tribe is the smallest tribe in all of Israel that you couldn't go any lower than me. And some of you sitting there thinking that about yourself. But I will tell you, whoever's the smallest and the weakest among you right now, if I were to set you up here face-to-face uh, -face with the devil himself and then put God on your side, I would say you're the heavy favorite. And God is on your side. Did David feel like a... War, I mean, he, might, he felt like a warrior, but did he look like a warrior? Up against Goliath, nine and a half foot tall, little ruddy teenager with a bag of rocks. He's probably swinging when he, you know. <laughs> but he didn't come in his own name. He came in the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies. And it made him a warrior. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me. It's because of me. The Lord goes before us in battle. Turn to Deuteronomy 20. Let me catch my breath. I'm going to have to give me one of those hankies. Pull it out. Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. It says, when you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, and let's, it, let's be honest, none of us can face the devil on our own. He's, got, he's, he's smarter than most of us. He's crafty, and he's stronger. We can't, we can't fight spiritual beings in our natural flesh. And when you face an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord, God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. And that's what I'm doing here today. I'm your pastor. I'm so-called your priest. I'm here to speak to the troops. That's what he sent me to do, to speak to the troops today. What am I supposed to say? He will say, listen to me, you men of Israel, or you men of passion, church, you women of passion, church, listen to me. Do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart and panic or tremble before them, for the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you the victory. It doesn't say sometimes. But they needed to hear it. They needed to believe it, to activate it. You know, the devil, his greatest achievement, man, he was just so proud of himself when he had Jesus crucified. The greatest thing he ever thought he ever did turned around to be his worst failure. And it always turns on the devil. Do you think God is the least bit concerned about the devil? He just laughs at that sucker. 
The devil is a fool. He's just a second-rate, toothless lion that God threw down to the earth to give us somebody to kick around. It's like some toy that you put in the crib with your baby so that the baby can learn to do a function, learn to do things for himself. That's what the devil is here for us to kick around, to put under our feet, and to learn to stand on our own two feet. The devil is a born loser, and you, my friend, are a born-again warrior. It's a big difference. You have the victory, and that's how winning is done. Just keep moving forward. When it seems like you're beat down and you take a knee, get back up. 1 Timothy 612 says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to eternal life which God has called you that you declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Jesus Christ who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate that you obey this command without wavering that no one will find fault with you from now until the Lord Jesus Christ returns again. Just keep moving. I saw that awning fly off my camper. Just disappeared up in the sky, and I'm thinking, man, this is a crazy storm. I looked out, and it's just lightning and flashing. And I don't know if you've ever been on the, the riverbank or a, a lake, and when a, a storm moves across, man, it's just scary. I, I personally thought it was like a hurricane or something. I said, I, I know we don't have hurricanes up in DeSoto County, but it felt like a hurricane coming across there. It, I mean, the... the camper was shaking and I wasn't surprised if it would have blew over and we got in the car I said get let's let's get in the car and ride this out and so we went and we went back behind the trees the big oaks and went back there uh, where the, the bathrooms were and I was expecting it to be terrible back there and I, and I rolled the window down there was hardly any wind blowing back there because they were shielded by all those big trees. And that's the way life is. When things get too rough on the outside, move back in beneath the protection of those mighty oaks of Bashan that we call the arms of Jesus. Move back on to the inside where you know things are real. Get back in Christ. Until you can Get your feet back under yourself. Because it always seems the worst out on the outside. When you're facing it face to face, it seems the worst. But on the inside, you always have the victory. There is always calm above the storm. And you are seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness. We have the victory. It's about your understanding it. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For this cause we faint not, that though our outward man perishes, this natural is getting older, it's breaking down a little bit more often, it's going through, it's weathering storms and showing the signs of it. Though our outward man perishes, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. My body's breaking down, but my spirit is growing stronger. And ultimately, I am a spirit, and that's where I will be for all eternity, as a spirit being. And I'll be given a new body that won't have to suffer all this stuff, that will weather it a lot better than this one. But while I'm here, I can still retreat into my inner man and have the strength to come back out and live a life on the, the lakeside, live a life with a beautiful picturesque, and do great things and not hide and cower my whole life behind the trees when there's not a storm. Not run from the storms. I can live a life of beauty and doing great things. I can have both. For our light affliction. God, what do you mean light affliction? It doesn't seem light. Because we're looking at it through our lens of what we know. This light affliction says is which is but for a moment, 
a moment. I've been going through this for six years, Pastor. You don't understand. In light of eternity, it's but a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal, eternal weight of glory. Okay, you are where you are. You've been through what you've been through. You weathered the storms to get here today. Now let's go forth with a new attitude, knowing that whatever storms are coming in the future, you can handle it. You have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're more than an overcomer. All things are just working together for your good to give you strength to live on the the outskirts of life, to see the best of everything that God has for your life. Whether you come up here or whether you want to do it on your own or whether you think you've got it all together right now, that's good. But you stay in Ephesians chapter 6. You put on that armor every day and you be ready for battle. You be that lighthouse for someone else. You learn to help others through their situations. You be outward minded. Jesus loves us all so much. He just wants us to say, they're there. It's going to be okay. I know it's tough right now, but it's going to be okay. I've got this. I will not let you suffer more than you're capable of handling. I will make a way. I will be your way, your life, and your truth. Just trust in me with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will direct your paths. I will lead you beside the still water but I will also lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. But in the end, I'm going to pour out my grace on you. I'm going to pour out the oil of gladness. You're going to be healed, whole, and delivered. And you're going to be a jewel of my grace. And you're going to be so happy that you lived with purpose. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.